Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Darla Trendler. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. This is Darla, and I am really excited that you are here today. I have another great interview for you. And today I'm welcoming Heather Herbert to the podcast. She is a wife and a mom to three kids, and they are 19, 15, and 13. And in 2011, Heather experienced the heartbreak of having a stillborn daughter, Aria, and losing her daughter changed Heather's life and prompted her to love, celebrate, and give more, and also to just realize how beautiful life can be. So I'm excited to share more of Heather's story and for you to get to know her. So welcome to the podcast, Heather. Hi. And did I say your daughter's name right? Yes, Aria. Thank okay. you. Um, I would love to talk about her more as we get into the interview. Um, but why don't you just start off to tell us a little bit more about yourself? What's, some, what's something unique about you? I used to be a dance teacher like for 20 years and it it's such a blast to like teach. I love teaching those little ones and introducing them to the world of dance. It's just magical. They feel like you're a princess teaching them this like amazing thing. And I just loved that. I got to be the one to introduce them to that. And it's always just kind of stuck with me that the, that magic that they see in that world of dance. And so I just kind of try to find that magic in everything. Oh, I love that. Okay. So I read the ages of your kids and we're in a similar stage of life. I have kids, very similar ages. And anyone who's listened to this podcast or my Instagram account for five minutes knows I love teenagers. So I would love to know, what do you love about having teenagers? Uh, So yeah, I have a 19, a 15 and a 13 year old. So as you can imagine, my house is full of fun and chaos and laughter and drama and excitement. And you never know day to day, sometimes hour to hour, (laughs) what it's going to be. But I just love seeing the world through their eyes. I love seeing their perspective on things. Teenagers have a great sense of humor. I love just having conversations with them. And, you know, they're growing up in a different time than we did. They have social media and cell phones and everything just comes so quick with them. And I just, I love their perspective on life. I love watching them grow into themselves. I love watching them set goals that are important to them and to work hard to achieve them. Um, I mean, the hardest part of the job is watching them learn from their mistakes, but it's also so rewarding to see them grow and to learn that there's consequences to good and bad and to see how, you know, what directions they take with that. And it's just been really fun. There is hope, right? For those younger moms who don't listen to the people that say, oh, just wait till they're teenagers, because really you're going to be excited. It's going to be good. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So let's shift gears a little bit and let's go back and talk about Aria. So Heather, I mentioned in the introduction that you did have a daughter that was stillborn. Um, Would you tell us about what led up to that and that experience in your life? Yeah, she was our fourth. Um, We were told about two years before we had her that we were not going to be able to have any more children. And I had a lot of medical issues. I had really severe endometriosis. And so they actually put me in a medical induced menopause um, eight months before I got pregnant with her. So when we found out I was pregnant, it was like a complete miracle. There was really no way I should have been able to get pregnant. And 
we were super excited because we really felt like there was just one more special spirit out there for us. And we were just so grateful that we were able to get pregnant and have this another baby. Um, I was high risk with all of my pregnancies. Uh, I was high risk with her as well. None of my babies really thrive inside the womb. They don't grow as quickly and, you know, on time as like they should. And so that was happening with Aria. I was never really too concerned with it just because my other babies were the same way. So I had to go in for um, a biweekly ultrasound around month four just to you know, check to make sure that she was developing properly, even though she was developing slowly. And on one of those appointments, I went in and they told me that she no longer had a heartbeat. And it was, I was in denial. I didn't believe them because just a few days earlier I was in because I was having some contractions and she was in there sucking her thumb moving around and, you know, I felt her moving and we called her my tiny dancer because she was always in there dancing. And I didn't believe them when they said that she no longer had a heartbeat. And so um, I went, they sent me straight up to labor and delivery and we delivered her 13 hours later. Wow. I can't imagine going through that and knowing that she was just there and then, and then she wasn't. Yeah. That, that must've been really heartbreaking. It was. So what did you learn from that time? Um, have you come off from the other side of it and felt like there was a purpose in yes. Aria's life? And, and what, what, what was that experience like and how, what did you learn? Yeah. So when, oh, I was, when we were in labor, they have special nurses to help with that situation just because it's such a sensitive and delicate time. And there's so many decisions you have to make. You have to you decide like, where you want your child buried and how you want, you know, all that stuff that you've never even thought about before. So they have a special team come in. And one of the nurses said something to me that at the time I wanted to, like, I really wanted to punch her in the face. It made me so mad. But she said, I know today is the hardest day of your life, but someday you'll look back and it'll be one of the best. And for about a year, I did, like, I was so mad that she would say that. It, It made no sense to me. But now I honestly it was such a beautiful thing. And it's so true. It was the hardest day of my life, but it was also one of the best because I see life so much differently now. I, I don't take things for granted. I see, I just, how good life is. I, I know that my heavenly father knows me and loves me because he was there in the room with me when I had her and I wouldn't have been able to get through that without him. And so because of that experience, just my knowledge of just how loved I am. And on a personal level, I'm not just one of his many children. I'm Heather and he knows exactly what I need and who I am. And I don't think I would have completely understood that in a way that I do now without having that experience. Yeah. What an important lesson to learn, to know that you are an individual and that Heavenly Father loves you. He loves your daughter. Mm-hmm. Loves your whole family. I know that one of the things that came out of that, you, you mentioned that it, it changed your life and yeah. really changed who you were. I know one of the things that came from that experience was you starting the sweet me project. And I've heard you talk about this before we've met in real life and I've heard you talk about what sweet me means. And so I would love for you to share that. Yeah. So after I lost her, I was really mad for a long time. I had a really hard time. I went to a really deep depression. I was bitter. I was angry for about a good year. And finally, 
I started to realize it was starting to affect my children. And we were at Walmart one day and I was trying to find a parking spot and there's never anywhere to park. And I finally, it was raining. So I don't want to park real far away. And I finally found a parking spot and this guy stole it. And there, my three kids were in the back and I could just feel from like the front seat, like them just like, Oh no, mom's, you know, going to lose it. <laughs> and that's when I realized like, I, I have to get, I have to change. And so I parked the car and I turned around and I told them, I'm like, okay, starting from right now, mom is going to be sweet me. I am going to be more patient. I am, I'm, I'm going to try to go back to where I used to be. And it didn't happen overnight because it was a habit to always just react mm -hmm. to things. But slowly over time, I was able to just let go of that anger. And it was because every day I just started, I tried to really look for something to be grateful for. And at first it was just like the big things, you know, my husband, my kids, but then I realized that that wasn't really serving me, that I needed to live more in gratitude and notice like the little things. And so I started really paying attention to just the little things that happened during the day that I know Heavenly Father did just for me. And once I started noticing that, my life changed. Like, it's unbelievable how much our Heavenly Father loves us. And when you really look for it, you can't help but see it. It's everywhere. And so I started the Sweet Me Project, which is just, it's, it's just a workbook to really just help you to celebrate life and to, you know, to see that there's so much beauty out there, even during the hard times. I love it. That is so great. So you, you said that you were specifically just the way that you made that change was to look for things to be grateful for and not just big things, but little things Yeah, to be specific. So so sweet in, in the sweet me project in this workbook is, is there, is that a place where people can record those things? Yeah. So each month is a different focus word. And so like we focus on a different word for that month so that you can really dive in and explore that part of life. And then there are questions to make you think about, you know, what you should be looking for that month. And then there's a place to have a gratitude list. I'm really big on gratitude journals. Like I said, I know it sounds hokey, but it changed my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's a place to list that. And I think it's just important just to make note of it because like I said, when I first started, I was still feeling kind of like, you know, bitter and just going through the motions. But when I really dove in and just started making notice of all the little things, and then you can go back and look at it, you can't deny that those things are for you and they're, you know, they're for your happiness and for you just to know like, Hey, I love you. You're important. I see you keep going. Yeah. I like, I like to call those things tender mercies. Yes. And I have, I'm not doing it great right now, but there have been times in my life when I have tried to, at the end of the day, think about what were the tender mercies that I had today and write them mm -hmm. down. And like, I remember one time writing down, my daughter had pulled out a gallon of milk out of the fridge and it landed on the floor and miraculously did not break all over. And I didn't have to clean up a mess. And I was like, so grateful to heavenly father that that, did, you know, that I didn't have to do that. Yeah. It really is those little things that make, make such a difference in our, in our lives. And so I think that your story gives a great message of hope to anyone who's struggling. You know, you were struggling with this loss of your daughter, but 
everyone struggles with something. And I think that, that your strategy can work for so many different struggles that we have and difficulties that we have in life to just be grateful and to remember that he's there and that we can, you can be the sweet me. You can be who you want to be with his help. Yeah. And that was my purpose is I got so many people asking me like, well, how did you deal with this? Cause you know, the idea of a stillbirth is so scary and unimaginable. And so people will be like, how did you come out to the other side? And I started to realize that the process that I went through would be applicable to anybody dealing with a loss or, you know, a trial or a trauma. Like it really is just changing just one part of your thought process and just be deliberate with how you look at things. It really can change the direction of your life. Yeah, I totally agree. And I know that you're a big believer in living in gratitude, like that it's a part of you and, and that's helped you to face the trials that you've had. So we, you know, we've talked about your daughter and, and what having the worst day and the best day of your life all rolled into one, but you've also faced a lot of other crises with your children. Mm -hmm. And you told me that your first response is always prayer. I would love to know how has prayer helped you in difficult situations? Yeah, I don't know how, but my family likes to get ourselves into crazy situations. And (laughs) we are always teased that like we should have our own designated spot at the emergency room because we're there all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And I have noticed that anytime I get a phone call or, you know, if I'm happened to be there, which usually I'm not for some reason, my first instinct is just to pray. And it always just helps me to calm down and to make the right decisions and going forth from there. Um, I, one time in particular, my middle son, he was three at the time and my oldest and him were playing catch. He was up on the pony wall of our second story balcony. And then my oldest son was on the bottom and they were throwing a ball back and forth. And I've told them a million times, you cannot do that, but boys, you know, they don't listen. And so my youngest fell 15 feet straight down onto the wood floor. And I heard the thump and I heard my other two kids scream and I turned the corner and there was three-year-old was on the floor, passed out, blood everywhere. And I didn't know what to do. And all I knew to do was just to pray like heavenly father, please help me know what to do. Like do I call for an ambulance? Do I drive him to the hospital? Do I wake him up? Do I leave him passed out? Like I had no idea what to do. And as soon as I said that prayer and I prayed with my other two children, we just sat there and we prayed, like, what do we do? And I got the clear distinct impression that I needed to pick him up and just drive him to the hospital, that it would be the fastest way instead of waiting. So we drove him and we lived, we had to drive through the Canyon to get to the hospital. And the entire time there, Caden would pass out and then wake back up and pass out and wake back up. And every time he passed out, my oldest son would scream, he just died. He just died and would cry. And like, and I'd like look behind me. I'm like, no, he's just passed out. And the entire drive, I was just praying, like, please be with me. Please help me to get to the hospital safely. Cause I'm like driving a hundred down this Canyon and my little two-year-old daughter's just having the greatest time in the backseat because we're just flying. She's like, yay, we, and my oldest is freaking out thinking he just killed his brother. And we get to the hospital and we get into the emergency room and they quickly fill it up with emergency personnel. There was so many people in there checking everything, you know, saying, call this doctor, page this doctor. And it was so scary. And I just prayed like, please let him be okay. Please let like nothing serious happened. 
And I got this impression, like, he's fine. You need to go help your oldest son. And I ignored it at first because I'm like, that's silly. He's fine. <laughs> and I got it again. Like, you need, he's, Caden is fine. You need to go help Blaze. And I remember I looked around and I saw Blaze in the corner of the room in a ball, just bawling. He was so upset. And I just went over there and I put my arm around him. I'm like, Blaze, Caden's going to be okay. And he's like, you don't know that. I shouldn't have been doing this. You've told us a million times not to play. It's my fault. Now he's going to die and it's my fault. And I just gave him a big hug and I said, he's going to be okay. And he said, no, you don't know that. And I said, I do know that. Heavenly Father just told me he's going to be okay. And as soon as I told him that, he looked at me and then he was fine. He didn't, he wasn't freaking out anymore. And I just, I'm so grateful for that prompting to do that because he was coming undone over there and he just needed to know that his brother was going to be okay. And nothing that I told him or the doctors were telling him, he believed. But as soon as I told him that heavenly father told me he was going to be okay, he was able to find peace and to calm down and, you know, let it be what it was going to be. Cause he knew then, okay, we're all going to be okay. And from that experience, I've, I've seen my oldest now, do the same thing when he just is beside himself and doesn't know what to do. I've seen him turn to prayer so that he can find that assurance and that peace. It's going to be okay. Even if it's not the answers you want. And even if, you know, Caden had some issues, it wasn't, he was fine. He didn't die. He, you know, and he's fine now, but even if you don't get those, that answer you want, just that peace and that comfort in that moment, everything is going to be okay. I'm here with you. It really makes all the difference. And my son, Blaze, was years later in an ATV accident. He was driving and they flipped and tumbled. And the girl that was on the back was really pretty hurt. And he ran over to her and he said, Mom, the only thing I need to do was pray. And as soon as I prayed, we both were, we felt so much peace and comfort. And I'm just grateful that he's learned that too, that he can just go to prayer and just feel that comfort so that he can make the decisions and do the things that he needs to do in that moment. That story illustrates so many things, so many blessings of prayer and, and turning to heavenly father first. Um, I'm really amazed that you, I mean, it, it's a miracle that you were able to be that calm to feel the spirit and to know what your other son needed because you've got this three-year-old in crisis, right? With yeah. this major injury, but you knew through the spirit that it was your other son that needed you and you were able to give him exactly what he needed. And that that's a message I share over and over on this podcast is that he can give us exactly what we need in the moment that we need it. Mm -hmm. And he knows what our kids need. He knows yeah. them better than we know them. And I, I think that's beautiful. And what you taught your son that day about prayer will benefit him for the rest of his life and will help him to help himself and to, to be a light to other people and to help them. And that, that is just a beautiful story. I love, I love what you shared. Yeah. Thank you. And I mean, if you know me in real life, I, I am not a calm person. So I, I love that. I know that prayer will always calm me down because you don't make the best decisions and you don't have the best response when you're in like hyper crisis. What do I do mode? And I feel like when I pray that can go away to where I can know what to do and I can feel the spirit. And my oldest son is a lot like me and for him to learn the same thing, I'm just so grateful because it, it really, 
where your presence can, you know, it can calm every other people's presence. And so then everybody can just make the right decisions, especially in a crisis. You can't have a bunch of people running around, not knowing what to do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Such, such a great thing. I remember one time I had an experience where I got a phone call that my husband was being rushed to the hospital in an ambulance mm-hmm. and, um, I was home with my kids and luckily I had kids old enough that I could leave, but I, you know, running around and thinking, I gotta, I gotta get, I gotta go. And the, the hospital is 20 minutes away, but I had the impression to take two minutes and just have my kids kneel down. And we said a prayer. I told him what was going, you know, really briefly, I said, I gotta go. Right. And we just said a little prayer and I had the thought come to me, get your husband's prescriptions. Like, so I ran into the bathroom, I got his prescriptions, put them in my purse and, you know, took off and went to the hospital and my husband ended up being fine, but it was a really, it was a scary situation, but, right. but he, he was laughing at afterwards, the whole, after everything, the scary part died down. And he was like, I cannot believe that you remember to get because <laughs> <laughs> I'm the most forgetful person. And I, 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 yeah. I, I panic. I'm like, so not calm in situations like that. Right. And I was, right. I, and I know that it was because of prayer. It really is. We can never discount the power of prayer. I love, love, love that. Yeah. And just the example that you're showing to your kids that, that it's, that's where, where they can turn because we can't always be the person that they need, but they can always have God there. Exactly. Um, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about is you had mentioned that you show your children that you aren't perfect. So mm-hmm. I would love to know, how do you do that? And what do you hope that your kids are going to learn from seeing that? So I, especially with teenagers, I'm always telling them, I don't know what I'm doing because they will bring up situations that I've never had to deal with before. And I don't know how to do it. And so I'll be honest, like, I don't know how to do this. We can learn together. And I've also, my husband and I find it important that if we do make a mistake to apologize and say like, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry. I was wrong in this situation. Um, Just with my experience with working with, you know, I was a dance coach for so long, just my experience with working with youth. I feel like our youth today really feel like they have to be perfect and they put so much pressure on themselves, unneeded pressure that they have to have life figured out and they have to always be making the right decisions at the right time and that they just have to be perfect. And that's an impossible expectation. And I feel like if they can see that, you know, their parents, we're not perfect. We're still making mistakes and that's okay. That's how you learn. That's how you grow. You can fix them. Um, I think that gives them hope. I don't want my kids to ever feel like they, you know, they've made so many mistakes that they, you know, they're just worthless and they can't come back. I don't ever want that hope to be gone from our youth. And I want them to know that they're always loved. Heavenly Father will always love them and he will never turn your back, his back on you. And that you need to just keep trying. I've seen so many times where I've had a student make a bad decision and they felt like, well, I've made the wrong choice, so it doesn't matter what I do. And so they continue to make bad decisions because they feel like all hope is gone. And I don't want my kids to ever feel that. So I feel like if I can be an example to them that I try every day and I, you know, I make mistakes every day, but you, you know, you work through them. You go to your heavenly father. You, you say, you're sorry to the people that you've offended. It's not the end of the world. Nothing is so bad that you, you have to just give up on yourself. And 
So I just feel it's important that they see that and that they can learn that from me. Yeah. I think that that's something I've definitely learned as I've gone through motherhood is that it's important for your kids to see when you've made a mistake and it's important to apologize to them and say, I'm sorry that I did that. And I think another great benefit of that is that when you have that humility, you can learn from them. I, yeah. I mean, even a small child, you don't have to have teenagers to learn something from your kids. They, they can teach us all the time. Yeah. If we're humble and, and not thinking, oh, I have all the answers and I know everything and they don't know anything. They know exactly. a lot. Yeah. What, that's such a great benefit that we can have in our lives. And a, a great blessing of motherhood is to be able to learn the thing, learn things from our children. Yeah. Motherhood has taught me that I really don't know much and it's, it's so humbling and it's, it's also freeing. You don't have to know everything. It's life is meant to figure things out and it's been a, it's a fun journey. It definitely is. And I, I've loved hearing about your journey and all of the things that you, that you've shared. So thank you so much. And I just have one final question that I want to ask you. And that is how have you seen and felt God as your partner in motherhood? I feel him every day. Sometimes it's in a prompting to, you know, ask my child something or to, you know, get to the bottom of something. Sometimes it's a feeling of peace. Like they're okay. You know, you don't have to worry about this. Sometimes it's a reassurance for me, like a pat on the back, like you're doing a good job. Don't be so hard on yourself. But um, I know that he needs me and that he knows that I am the best person for my children right now. And I know that I need him and that there's no one that knows or loves my children as much as he does. And so I feel like we have this beautiful partnership that we need each other and we can rely and count on each other. And that just, that just makes me so grateful and so honored that I can raise my amazing children with my heavenly father. Yeah. I like, I really like how you said the word need, like we need him. We, we need him. We, we can, and we can use use him. He's there. And that is such a beautiful message. Thank you so much for sharing it. I'm so grateful. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.